If you're a supplier getting ready to meet virtually with buyers, then this is definitely an interview you won't want to miss. In this podcast, I speak with Natasha Fagri, co-founder of Frost Popsicles, which offers a range of seven all-natural alcoholic popsicles, or poptails as she refers to them, as well as several non-alcoholic popsicles. She and her business partner launched the concept in 2016 in South Africa and have recently entered the U.S. market. She participated in ECRM's Frozen and Global Wine, Beer, and Spirits programs and absolutely crushed her buyer meetings, landing a couple of deals shortly afterwards. Natasha shares the steps she took to prepare for those meetings, including how she defined her why, how she researched the buyers, and how she crafted her presentations for maximum impact in the time allotted. She also shows how doing your homework beforehand and lots of pitch practice can result in a great live meeting experience. ECRM connects buyers and sellers of fast-moving consumer goods in category-specific, highly curated face-to-face meetings. For more information, visit ecrm.marketgate.com. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody. Joe Tarnowski with ECRM, and my guest today is Natasha Fagri, the co-founder of Frost Popsicles. So in addition to being a RangeMe member, Natasha has also participated in ECRM's Frozen and Global Wine, Beer, and Spirits programs because her products span both. They are frozen, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic frozen popsicles. So uh, on top of this, she is also a member of Ali Ball's Retail Ready Group. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Ali Ball, I interviewed her a little while ago uh, where she talked about the five steps to a perfect virtual buyer presentation. And Natasha followed those five steps in her ECRM meetings with buyers and they worked out brilliantly. So we're going to get into a little bit of that uh, in this uh, interview as well. So Natasha, thank you so much for joining us. And to start off, give us an overview about your company and the products. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joe. I so appreciate it. It's great to be involved. Um, So to give you a bit of an overview, um, so my products, as you mentioned, and the main ones we'll be chatting about today in relation to ECRM and Alibor are our popsicle range. So Frost Popsicles is a range of seven all-natural alcoholic poptails, as we like to call them, and non-alcoholic frozen palettas. Our whole product proposition is to make something different and unique, both in terms of the packaging and how we do business and obviously the flavor profiles we we present to market. Our products are non-GMO, and we've also got vegan-friendly and gluten-free in our range. We actually launched the whole product proposition originally in South Africa, which is my home country in 2016. But the goal was always to get to the US and mid last year, just in time for the craziness of COVID, we arrived in California and that's very much been our focus to now grow and establish our brand presence and our product using California as the springboard state and just growing from there. We want to, we want to bring pops to everyone, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to you coming to New York. But definitely, that's on the list. <laughs> so, so what gave you the idea uh, to, to for these products? 
Well, I think, to be honest, it was a couple of things. Um, the first thing was I was actually in late 2015. I was on a business trip and I saw a concept overseas, um, actually in Europe, that I thought this is interesting, but it's something that I felt that myself and my business partner could do differently and do better. Now, to give you some background, my background is strategic marketing in a commercial environment. My business partner, John Mark, who's currently based in South Africa, um, his background is finance and equity. So none of us came from food science or anything like that. But I think it's that entrepreneurial sort of hunting spirit. You see something and you're like, oh, I could I could do that. So it was seeing a concept and wanting to improve upon it. And we went into 13 months of product development. We launched with two products. Five years later in the South African market, we've got nine of which we've initially launched seven, four of the alcoholic and three of the non-alcoholic in the US. So the business has just grown and we see real opportunity in this market for private label opportunities, as well as for some very cool limited edition holiday popsicles as well. So watch the space. There's more to come. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, and um, tell me about your distribution here, because uh, you're relatively new to the US. So you're yes. just getting your footing. Uh, where are you distributed right now? So distribution for us, oh goodness, it's a constant learning curve and it certainly is a challenge because our product actually straddles two categories in the market, alcohol and grocery. And anyone who knows the US market knows the volume of gray hairs that having an alcoholic product and all the different rules and regulations that go into that. So at the moment, we're really, really in the early stages. We're in a few small independent stores in Southern California, but we kind of had to completely pivot and readjust our expectations expectations and strategy for last year because of how COVID-19 impacted the way that buyers could actually interact with potential new vendors and just in terms of how the stores were taking on new products and we'll get to it but that's really where ECRM was kind of pivotal in assisting us so we kind of used our launch period which we hoped would be a little bit more about hitting the ground running to build relationships and engage with buyers and get onto their scheduling review lists to take on our product for Q1 and Q2 this year because everything was so disrupted. And as I'm sure you can attest to, there is nothing worse than a vendor who's pushy and doesn't understand the struggles and challenges that times in which we find ourselves in um, also if they, they affect buyers. And we need to be sympathetic and responsive to that as a brand. Definitely. And, and I know... Um especially in the early stages of COVID, buyer review schedules got all screwed up, all delayed Absolutely. because it was all hands on deck to help the uh, all of the essentials categories. So you had buyers driving trucks, making deliveries, doing all these different things. And so it got all... Buyers, yeah. You know, buyers couldn't get into stores. And look, I firmly believe that an alcoholic popsicle is a must. It's an essential, but in the grand scheme of a global pandemic, it's kind of not. So we just had to readjust, which is fine. I think any business, you got to be able to pivot and move and be flexible. Yeah. It's, it's what keeps you going. Well, yes and no. I disagree. I actually think now is a good time for them because with people stuck at home, not going out, it's another option. And I think I think something that we've realized as well is it is a big ask. And again, this is where I think ECRM played a massive role. 
It is a huge ask to take an established industry, let's just say if you take off-premise consumption, so your traditional liquor and grocery store, to get them almost overnight to start operating in a virtual space in terms of how they engage with potential new brands and and clients like myself. It is a big thing. This is an industry that's used to me being able to walk into a store to meet a buyer that I've made an appointment with with a physical sample and all of a sudden everyone's displaced. Mm -hmm. So having platforms like ECRM where once the buyer's caught up with exactly what you've said, let's celebrate the products that people can buy at their local store and take home and enjoy. So whilst we can't go out to events and do our usual socializing, the pops can bring the party home. Mm-hmm. Um, and having platforms like ECRM where kind of the ship can keep sailing in a virtual space and buyers can be exposed to products is just, for me as a product creator and business owner, it's been a lifesaver. That's great. So in the, in the frozen section, so where do your products sit? Do they all merchandise together in the frozen section or how does that work? So it entirely depends on the licensing of the respective venues. So if we just look at California, because looking at all the different licensing legislation in 50 states will we'll die a slow death on this podcast. But um, we just look at California. If a retailer, so like a grocery store and Whole Foods is a great example. If the entire retail store holds a spirits and a wine license, then my full product range, the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic, can be merchandised side by side in their freezers next to their non-alcoholic frozen ranges. And obviously, in order for my product to even be where it is here, we had to comply with every federal and state requirement in terms of the warning labels and the packaging. So there's never any confusion about what's for the grown-ups and what's for the kids. Um, If, for example, it's an environment that is not licensed for wine or not licensed for spirits or not licensed at all, that's where obviously we look at our product mix and we say, okay, great, this is the environment that the spirit line can go into, but not the wine line or this is say perfect for our non-elk frozen paletas, but the elks can't go in there. So I think having a range that straddles both categories, while sometimes it can be tough, more often than not, it's a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. It's good that you have those options. And Definitely. yeah. <clears throat> so how did you get uh, familiar with ECRM and, and Range B? I, I know you work a lot with Allie Ball. So, yes. uh, and as I mentioned before, we do a lot of work with her. In fact, she's doing a uh, webcast tomorrow with Range B about Amazing. product certifications. And I'm dialing into that, actually. I've got Perfect. that in my diary. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I hope to see you there. I'm going to jump in there, too. And, uh, you know, so I know you do a lot of work with her. So how did this all come about? So how I actually heard about ECRM, I actually had registered with Range Me about... June, July, about three months before I ever knew that Ali existed. Mm-hmm. And through my Range Me premium membership and again getting exposed to ECRM, how I found you guys was through Range Me and how I found Ali was through a interactive webinar that was hosted with ECRM where Ali actually featured. So it was kind of like a perfect storm and, and the timing couldn't have been better, to be honest, because I wasn't I wasn't actively searching, call it for an Ali bull. I mean, the US market is so big, but I'm someone who's always keeping my eye on, you know, resources and information. And how I found out about Range Me was honestly, it was pure and total research of what channels do me, whether I was a local vendor or an international breaking into the local market, 
what channels do I need to be on mm -hmm. to get products to see me? And I was researching a lot of the brands that we wanted to work with, the retail chains, and a lot of them on their website would say, you got to have a range me profile. I'm like, yeah. what is this range me? And that's how we got to where we are. Yeah, most of the big retailers have that. So uh, where range yeah. me, uh, just a background for anybody who's listening who's not familiar, range me handles the inbound product submissions process uh, or management for most of the top food retail chains and several beauty retailers as well. So when you click, if you're on the retailer's website and you click the link to submit a product for consideration, it'll take you through the RangeMe platform where you have to build your profile and you can do a basic profile. And Natasha has a premium profile, uh, which has other benefits with it. But through there, it's routed to the appropriate buyer and then they can uh, evaluate the product. So, uh, so yeah, so you went in through there, got familiar with Allie. And Allie, I think it, was a, it may have been a Range Me podcast with her, but I know, yes. you know, we, we uh, both, we collaborate on a lot of different things. Hmm. So then from there, and from there, you found out about the ECRM virtual sessions as well. Uh, yes. So I actually found out about the ECRM virtual sessions because I was on Range Me, and obviously I'm then on the database and I mm -hmm. get I requested that I be kept up to speed on certain things. I got an email alert about these okay. virtual sessions. And what's so great is, and it's one of the things, and again, just to make it clear to anyone who's watching, I'm not paid by ECRM or Range no. Me or endorsed in any way. <laughs> I'm really purely speaking from my own personal experience and I'll never promote something I don't believe in. But the thing that I really liked was, I got this email, I immediately reached out to one of the ECRM staff members who obviously had sent the mail and got full details on, oh my goodness, there's now this platform, um, if I just talk about like the global wine, beer and spirits buyer, you know, platform, which is in response to not being able to have the physical roadshows, where for what I felt was a very competitive fee, I could have insight before even committing to take part of what retailers and accounts are going to be on these calls, whether it was for frozen food or the global wine, beer and spirits, is it relevant to my company strategy? And then obviously also have that tiered option of, do I want to do the five minute pitch option versus the 10 minute? What can my budget afford? Yeah. Or the 20, and we have a 20 minute too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then what I thought was fantastic was after you've actually registered to be able to submit materials that then the buyers or potential distributors can review in advance and then they say, I want to be presented to by this brand. I cannot stress enough what an incredible hurdle that helps you accelerate through it because you've already got an interest from the person you want to pitch to that they're actually saying, yes, I want to hear more. You're not kind of wasting your time. So I did... The two programs that I sat across actually ran across similar days. So I did about 30 buyer pitches. I took the five minute option because I also believe you've got to be able to deliver something quickly or else you don't, you know, you don't know your stuff well enough. Um, I, yeah, I did 30 to 35 bit, uh, pitches across, I think it was three to four days, which is quite intense. But it was an it was incredible. It is I am I've got all my leads from there. I am following them up regularly. It I would recommend it to anyone who wants authentic FaceTime with a buyer in a virtual landscape. Well, uh, thank you for that. And and it's obvious you are a very smart user of the platform. And the reason why I say that is you were well prepared, and we're gonna get into that part of it too, but it's there's so much 
importance that we place on the prep. And we have somebody there on hand to take you through it, familiar, familiarize you with the system, the ability to get all your documents in order and in front of the buyers yeah. right away before you actually meet with them live. So, I mean, you did all of the right things because if you don't do that and you just wing it, it's not going to be the same experience. 100%. And I will, I mean, anyone who knows me both personally and professionally knows, yes, I can be adaptable, but I am the world's biggest planner. I do not like surprises that could have been avoided. And I'm also a believer of if you've got especially a platform I'd never been on before and a process I wasn't familiar with. If you're not going to work and use the resources at your disposal, you're never going to fully be able to appreciate the benefits. And especially doing like the live coaching call with the ECR, ECRM representative were actually sat on and it was like they were the buyer. So I'm like, okay, this is the interface. This is how I load up my profile. You also go into what is a pretty nerve-wracking environment. Five minutes to pitch to buyers back-to-back -back is intense. And if that was the first time I'd seen the platform and not known what to expect, I think I would have had a heart attack. I mean, I, winging it is not an option. It's crazy. You won't get the full benefit. <laughs> no, and it's great. And, and everybody does get a meeting with uh, our client success managers. They ensure that everyone is prepped their settings are optimized, you know, their video, so their audio, everything is good to go. And what I liked is they even went so far as to, obviously I had set up, okay, this is where I'm going to pitch and I'd actually put empty packaging. I kind of stuck it to the wall above me and they look and say like, yeah, we think that's great or it's a bit distracting or there's not enough light mm -hmm. in the room. And I mean, that's invaluable. That's just, and I'd never done virtual buyer pitches mm -hmm. before. So it was super helpful. The cool thing about <clears throat> having hosted more than 80,000 face-to-face meetings on the platform wow. already is that our team has become experts Pardon. on what works and what doesn't work in these pitches, whether it's your setup, whether it's the lighting, you know, the way you present. So it's pretty cool. And I think a lot of people don't realize, sure, we have an amazing platform. Our digital team is top, top of the line, uh, but the human element behind the scenes is just as important because oh, it guides sure. you through. And also write down, I think, to in-call tech support. I think I had a couple of calls where the one was the buyer was struggling to log in. And mm -hmm. of course, once your little ticking timer starts, you're like, where's this guy? And I immediately knew click on tech, tech support woman popped up she's like don't worry we'll track him down and they found him and then another case they couldn't find the person she hadn't dialed in so then the woman don't worry we'll end the call we'll reschedule it was mm -hmm. set up for a month later which i just think is i mean that's that's like first class setup we make sure no one misses a meeting and uh especially if it's not your fault yeah you know so and that's the thing is is we want to make sure we're on hand even during the session there's a dozen or more people watching a dashboard to yeah. keep an eye out for those customer service calls or just to see sometimes they're proactive we'll mm. do observations of meetings where we'll pop in and out not you can't see us but we'll observe the meeting to make sure it sounds good or and if yeah. like somebody's sound is messed up they'll pop in the meeting and say hey i hear your headsets you know there's a little bit of an echo try this and you'll get a better sound boom then they're out of the meeting so and, yeah just to, to so they're very proactive because the experience is everything. It's, it's yeah. you know, we want to make sure that you get the max that you can. And the other part of it is the prep that you did, which was amazing. And I want to walk through that because you 
followed all of those five steps yeah. that Ali Ball talks about, the five steps that I talked to Ali about on uh, our podcast. And uh, so, so let's walk through that a little bit. You know, yeah. the first step, identify your why. What, what's, what was your why? How did you do that? So I think, I mean, that's probably the most important step. And I mean, for us, kind of my why was it's bringing a unique product proposition to the market mm -hmm. to leverage off what is aggressive global growth in, what, in a fairly new category. Mm -hmm. So that's my why as to why we created this product. And then obviously it's to how do I articulate to the buyer so that my why benefits their bottom line and um you know ali steps to awesome virtual pitches they just elevated what i had prepared like exponentially i mean from identifying the why to then going on to preparing your materials again which speaks to your point joe it's totally critical so what i did was i did a first draft of my digital presentations obviously i had two one for each program there was a lot of crossover information yeah. but there was also some specific to frozen that wouldn't necessarily apply to the global wine and beer and spirits uh, program. And then obviously I did, I had them all designed up by our graphic designer because I wanted them to look on brand and professional. I then sent them through actually, um, I shared them on the Ali Ball closed Facebook group for comments and feedback uh, from people to say, guys, you know, what do you think? Because that's also the benefit of being on the course with Ali is you've got this forum of like-minded professionals and we're all kind of in the same boat. And and the course she's referring to, by the way, is the Retail Ready course. Uh, I'll put a link in the post for that because uh, I, it's very helpful for, for a lot of our, uh, our uh, suppliers mm -hmm. that we work with. Um, and then in addition to the preparation, obviously, after getting feedback, and if there's anything that I felt was relevant to tweak, what was most important is I actually prepared speaking notes. Now, I it's not about talking of speech cards. That's a terrible idea. Don't do that. But when you've got a very controlled time limit that you've got to pitch in, in my case, it was five minutes, and you've got to get through key information that is, speaks to the buyer not what your mom thinks is cool, not what you think is interesting, but what actually speaks to the commercial objectives of the buyer because that's all they care about. How is your product going to make them more money and not cannibalize their bottom line? Um, I actually had my speaking point. So when I had my setup, so like I'm talking to you now, my computer was in front of me and I had two little easels on either side and I had speaking notes, speaking notes. So when I was presenting, I could glance. So I knew what I was saying, but... You know, you don't want to ever hit a brain freeze because brain freezes waste time. So I could glance and I knew this is what I've got to say on that slide. Then I click. This is what I've got to say on this one. Okay, on this one, I'm sharing a screen because I'm showing a cool video. And and then I practiced. I mean, my business partner got the pitch. My dog got the pitch. My boyfriend got the pitch. <laughs> I think the neighbors heard the pitch. Um, and, uh, and obviously setting the scene tied into that. Uh, you know, we were all working from home. Because I was in South Africa at the time and the, the course was run on Eastern Standard Time, I was seven hours behind. No, I'm lying. I was seven hours ahead. So most of my calls were done, obviously, in the evening, starting at like half past five in the evening, my time. So I was sitting in my kitchen, like I had a blank white wall behind me, well lit. I had my product. I'd actually um, stuck with what do you guys call Prestick here? I, I never remember the brand names, but stuck with like a sticky substance to the wall so that if you were talking to me, you could see what looked like floating popsicles. Yeah. And um, and so they were immediately getting a sense of, oh, what's that? In addition to seeing the product in my presentation, 
um, you know, as I said, I'd scripted it out, but by the time it came to delivering, it was like a conversation. And the most important thing I can say about the script is if you've got five minutes, don't talk for five minutes, talk for three and a half and leave the one and a half minutes at the end for the buyer to ask questions. Because how I tended to end it was, you know, here are my direct contact details. They could see it on the screen. I had theirs. Um, you can reach out. I'm an, I was going to reach out anyway straight afterwards with a little fo follow-up email with the presentation. But I wanted to give them lifetime on that call mm. to ask me anything pressing because I also think not a lot of people remember that. Mm -hmm. You get so focused on sharing everything you know that you forget they also want to know some stuff and you don't know what they want to know. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, just coming to the final step of practicing, the more you practice, the more you more comfortable you are delivering the information and the less you feel like you need to speed through it like a racehorse and commentator. You know, yes, I had five minutes, but I can't be like, because it's overwhelming. As, as intense as it was for me to pitch back to back, and sometimes I would do five pitches and then have like a 15-minute break, or on a more chilled evening, I might have an hour in between after a couple. But it's intense for the buyers. They're getting like talked at, and they're humans. They're not robots. They want to feel like they're having fun. So I always used to try and throw in a, a bit of a joke and things like, you know, guys, I've got lollies that will make you jolly and silly little things because it just breaks it up. And don't show boring spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. keep, it, keep it fun. Keep it fun. And that all comes into the practicing and preparation of it. That's a good point. Uh, now, did you um, do your research on the platform about the buyer's needs and objectives and factor that in? Absolutely. So obviously, when I first reviewed the list of buyers prior to even committing to the program, that was the motivator behind wanting to be a part of the programs. I was like, these are buyers I want to get in front of. Then obviously, one of the benefits of the platform is once you're in and registered, you can actually read about every single buyer that you're presenting to, the position they hold, what is their name, and what are they specifically looking for. So, you know, you might be presenting to a buyer, but all he wants to hear about is private label in the frozen space for the southwest region and then obviously there's always a little write-up on the company or brand that he represents and i would again going back to and i'll keep saying it going back to the preparation you have to do that homework mm -hmm. you cannot go in because there were many brands that i hadn't heard of before but on further research i'm like this is absolutely the type of company we'd love to work with but i need to have some knowledge around what their objectives are because whilst my presentation is the same for everyone key little extra nuggets that yeah. I'll throw in for a Gelson's mm -hmm. might be different to what I say do for a Ralph's, mm -hmm. um, just, just as a pure example. And that, that's great. And, and for just for people who are not familiar with our platform, we have a prep site. Mm -hmm. So anybody who registers, it's the site that has a bunch of resources. It has some of the videos. I think Ali's video is on there now with me. And uh, as well as all of the buyer information and their needs and objectives. So this way you can prepare. And if you need to tailor things, uh, just like Natasha did, you could tailor them to the each buyer. So, so that's yeah. great. And then, and then I think, I mean, you're a pro already at it. I mean, you're using it exactly the way it's meant to be used. And, you know, you did a lot of practice and which is, again, we recommend that again and again and again, because, especially in the five-minute meetings. You mm -hmm. want to nail it in three, 
maybe yeah. three and a half, half a minute to two minutes for a Q and A uh, if the buyer needs it. So, Definitely. so how were your meeting experiences themselves and, and your use of the platform? Which bells and whistles did you take advantage of? So, well, firstly, I have to say overall, the meeting experiences were fantastic. And there were a couple of key points that I wanted to note. What I really liked was, um, as I said, because I was sitting across two programs, what I liked was um, I would have, it was kind of halfway through each program, I would actually get a video check-in with an ECRM staff member where exactly as you've just asked, they wanted to know how it was going. Mm -hmm. Had there been any issues? Had there been any dramas? Um, what was also great is when I was reviewing my schedule of meetings, I picked up a couple of clashes or things I wasn't sure of. ECRM corrected them immediately because shame, whoever had to had to schedule my meetings, it was a tough one because there were it was um, you know coinciding programs yeah. and it was a fantastic job. What I really liked for me, which was a high point as well, is when you're presenting, you've obviously also got, it's super easy to share screen. I mean, that's kind of a basic thing that everyone knows, but things like being able to actually make notes on the platform during meetings. So I could make notes and then save them. So when it comes time to me doing a post review after meetings, there's almost what looks like a little spreadsheet running where I can see this was the note I made against that buyer. So it could have been something as simple as, be sure to send sell sheets when I send this presentation to them after the call. I mean, obviously also having what was absolutely invaluable to me was great doing the presentations, but having access to that database of this is every buyer's name who I presented to, this is their role, this is their address, their contact number, their email, and their division. Ask any brand trying to break into a market. That is some of the hardest information to come across and to know that what I had through being a part of the program was relevant, up to date, and the actual people I met or the division that I engaged with, for me, that was a real high point. And then, of course, just the interactivity, as you mentioned, Joe, of that um, user dashboard where I could upload my materials that buyers could review. I could create a personal profile for myself. So they're getting a sense of me, my product, my business. I could add in links down to my social media links if I wanted to any kind of supporting material like um, product brochures, websites. Um, I just think that's so, so, so important. And um, it gives you and your brand a personality before the buyers even met you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and that's the thing. We want to make sure everything is there before, during, and after. So afterwards, we have the follow-up site that's tailored yes. to that, you know, and, and which is what uh, she was just talking about. And, uh, we, you know, we want to bring it full circle so that you, you we're with you all the way. So the one thing I actually did want to mention that I really feel you guys go above and beyond is in addition to the standard post program, call it um, debrief, um, which I had, there was also then the option that should I want to take part in the programs this year as a previous, you know, participant, I actually got afforded a, um, a participant, a secondary participation discount, which is amazing because, um, you know, if there are additional buyers that I feel are relevant that I didn't engage with the last time because they didn't take part, but I want to do this year's, which I think are coming up in April, um, I know that I can do it. And there's a discount because I've already taken part, which I just think is such a great added perk. Yeah, well, we got to take care of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so how are your follow-ups going? You don't have to mention any retailers that you're working with, but 
now you're in that process, knee deep in that process. Definitely. Follow-ups are going really, really well. So we've actually got, we've secured some business that's coming on board now the end of this quarter with them, which is awesome. But I think the most important thing about follow-ups is exactly that, as I said, having those direct contact details and also now call it getting it straight from the horse's mouth, i.e. the buyers, like, please reach out to me again in November. This is when we're looking at this category. And building a relationship with them so that and also i think it's not a failure if someone doesn't want to take your product on now if they say to you listen stuff's changed we're all over the shop but please reach out to us mid next year we're interested we love the presentation and and being able to reach out to them and having my own little follow-up schedule with the info through the program it just allows me to to have used that program as a springboard to grow my business which is obviously the absolute purpose of it Yep. And, and the thing is, you know, all of your follow-up notes stay in your profile yeah. for the life of the account. So next year, when you went in the next session, when you're in meetings, if you met with them before, you could see with your, you go in and see your notes from the last meeting 100%. and it just helps you track it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's awesome. And it's great as well. Like, as you mentioned, I mean, even though the programs are passed, I've still got access to that platform, you know, to all of the to all of the resources that are available to me. Um, and, and of course, then of course, any follow up, whether it be webinars or calls that I can take part of that I that I think are really relevant. Um, all of it's sitting there for me to take advantage of. Excellent. And so you're going to be on the shelves when? And you said uh, April or? Uh, so as I said, we're already in a few stores in Southern California now. But, but I mean, from from the session, from the session. Oh, from the session, yeah, coming on board March, April, and then Perfect. some Northern California opportunities that came out of the session, we're planning on those for the beginning of Q2, so that's Excellent. around about May, June, so uh, yeah, super, super excited about that, and I'm definitely, uh, definitely going to shout it from the rooftops um, when it happens. <laughs> well, you know, we'll do a little follow-up uh, on there, you know, send us some pictures uh, of it on the shelves, and uh, that'll be a nice way to close the loop. So, uh, all right, before, last question, what, what, um, what is coming up for Frost Popsicles? What is coming up? So I think our main focus very much at the moment is now that things seem to have settled a little bit mm -hmm. with COVID just in terms of the wholesale space, space, it's really driving forward our objective to be the, call it the popsicle of choice in our category, um, starting first with our home state in California and very much growing from there. And some really exciting stuff that we're focusing on is looking into local co-packing opportunities mm -hmm. so that we can be super responsive on small volume orders, on private label. And we'd love to do some really cool holiday stuff. I mean, who wouldn't like a you know, a spiced pumpkin latte pop, yep. you know, with a little warm alcoholic twist around about Thanksgiving and, and you know, Christmas time. So our main sort of business proposition is we've got to keep innovating. We want to keep the public excited and we want to be the guys that do it differently and better. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Frost Popsicles USA. And obviously our website is frostpopsicles.com and so, so excited for what this year has to hold. Excellent. Well, I wish you all the best and I look forward. I will check, check you out uh, during the next session and I think it's March or April, one of those. Yes, definitely. And, and I'll see you tomorrow, obviously, on the, uh, on the certifications call with, uh, yep. with Abby. Looking forward to it. Thank you again for everything. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me.